2: uh, you are having a wonderful day, and uh, we hope also that you've enjoyed our Part 1 of uh, this particular topic that we will be talking about today, which is the Hebrew Israelites, or as uh, sometimes they are known as uh, Black Israelites. Nevertheless, uh, I had with me last time our dear brother, Vocab Malone, who is the um, host of Urban Theologians Radio, where you can go, of course, to his website, urbantheologianradio.com and uh, watch or listen to many of his fabulous shows, including uh, things related to this topic. Today, uh, I have vocab a- uh, again to continue this discussion uh, related to this fascinating movement, uh, obviously, that is, uh, and I would say this with conviction, that is non- not biblical. And uh, this is why we are discussing it, and uh, want to continue exploring with vocab many of the flaws of this particular uh, uh, heretical theological movement. So, brother, thank you again for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Alfadi, man. I'm glad to be here.
2: So, last time we talked about some of the, uh, uh, you know, teachings that this particular movement uh, holds to, related like to uh, the name of God, uh, uh, Jesus, and His, uh, basically, person, uh, salvation. Uh, Tell us more about uh, their position related to hell, for instance, and heaven.
1: Well, they generally say this, that Right now, the Bible refers to this as the time of the Gentiles. And so they say that that means this earth is the white man's heaven, the other nation's heaven they're experiencing right now. But when Black Messiah comes back and destroys all the wicked, beginning with America, which is New Egypt, then he'll institute a new kingdom reign in which the Israelites will then have their foot upon the neck of the other nations, just like Old Testament prophecy that hasn't been fulfilled yet.
2: Like Psalm one ten one.
1: Yeah, they'll turn to certain passages and sort of hyper-literalize them, and anything that can be looked at through a militant, kind of physically violent, triumphalistic uh, lens, they take and exaggerate in their own image, basically.
2: So does that mean they interpret some of the passages related to the person of Christ as if it applies to them as a group?
1: Um, it depends on one particular—I'd have to see which particular one, basically.
2: Let's say Isaiah 53.
1: No, they, uh, most of them—well, so the ones that believe in the New Testament would we'll look at Isaiah 53, and they would um, say that that is messianic prophecy.
2: What about Psalm one ten one? The Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand, and I will make—
1: yeah, they would view the enemies as the other nations, and that, the, the, that they're being conquered by God on their behalf, and then they'll rule them forever. Let so, me show you—here, let me show you a great passage they love to use, Isaiah 14, so someone un- can understand what I mean. For the Lord will have compassion on Jacob. Isaiah 14 what? Chapter uh, 14, verses 1 and 2. Got it. And will again choose Israel. And will set them in their own land, and sojourners will join them and will attach themselves to the house of Jacob. And the peoples will take them and bring them to their place. And the house of Israel will possess them in the Lord's land as male and female slaves. They will take captive those who were
2: their captors and rule over those who oppress them. All right. So, uh, I mean, a couple of verses down, we start getting to Satan, right? Well,
1: if you read this whole passage, it's a fulfillment of what's going to happen during uh, the Babylonian captivity and um, what's going to happen to Israel under Babylon, and then also what is going to happen to Babylon. Uh, That's what's going on. So like, they really interpret uh, passages out of context on a regular basis. I mean, so Psalm
2: 1101 how do they interpret the Lord said to my Lord
1: uh, are you saying like are you saying how do they deal with that in relationship to the deity of Christ for instance? Yes I've never heard uh, that particular passage discussed with the Hebrew Israelite, but uh my guess would be something along the lines of uh, this shows that Jesus is not God because there's another Lord. There and even though Jesus is our Lord, um, He's not uh, God's Lord, or something along those lines, I would imagine. Probably similar how a Jehovah's Witness would answer it, but I've never discussed that particular passage with them. I don't know.
2: So uh, let's talk about the Bible, for instance. Uh, I mean, do they what's their view or position on Apocrypha books, for instance?
1: All right, they hold to the Apocrypha. They believe that the Apocrypha is uh, the Word of God 100%, and that it should be included in the canon. And they like the King James Version translation of the Apocrypha only. and So they'll quote from the Apocrypha on a pretty regular basis.
2: Okay. Eschatologically speaking, related to end times, can you shed some light on that?
1: Uh, Yeah, so um, their view of the afterlife is not very God-centered at all. It's very in their theology, Israel-centered. So Israel will rule the other nations. All the other nations will pay uh, servitude to Israel, the, all this type of thing. And so uh, it's very is- Israelite-centric. Um, it's unclear exactly what Yahweh is doing or has done or his relationship to his people other than he's subdued the enemies of Israel. That seems to be his most important function. There's not... A great understanding of him as um, father, as, um, as you know, like you're spending time with God for all of eternity. Those types of concepts aren't really present.
2: So is it fair to say that they assume all other nations will be slaves to Israel at that time?
1: Slaves are servants. Some of the nicer camps of Hebrew Israelites, such as GOCC, will teach that other nations can indeed be brothers and sisters with the Israelites. But there's still an ethnic hierarchy, and so the other nations will be able to worship with Israel once a year during certain festivals or feasts when they come into Jerusalem. And it seems they worship with them as brothers in a subservient status and also pay tribute to them. Mm-hmm. But they're not really subdued in, in, a, in an aggressive kind of way. So it's a little bit more of a brother and sister relationship, but it's, there's still a hierarchy. The extreme group, GMS... Great Millstone Israelites, they got their name from Revelation 18, they teach that in the new—now, they're the only one that teaches this, to be fair, okay? But they do teach it, that uh, in the new heaven and new earth, that uh, Israelites will be able to take or rape— women from other nations with reckless abandon, whoever they want at any time, as long as the woman has reached puberty.
2: Boy, they took this straight out of the books of the, uh, the pages of the Quran, you know. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, some people have, you know, said comments like that. And the other Israelites shun this doctrine called the rape doctrine. Only one camp holds to it. But it shows you that some of these groups can get pretty
2: uh, pretty nasty. I, I guess I shouldn't ask about the review on ISIS then. Well,
1: they don't like uh, ISIS, generally speaking, because they're, generally speaking, pretty anti-Islamic for a few reasons. One is they view the Muslims as being partially responsible for the betrayal of the Israelites because they're the ones who helped be involved with some of the slave trade. They also don't like how Islam came in and conquered some of those regions because they view those people as uh, ethnically Israelites, so they view Islam as being forced upon uh, them. So they don't like that either. Uh they don't like Muhammad, generally speaking they don't believe the Quran is the Word of God, so generally speaking they don't and they don 't think Ishmaelites who who they would call you know Arab folks uh not that all Muslims are Arabs, we know that but I'm just saying this is one of the other things they don 't view them as part of the people of God either
2: so uh so Muslims have no hope of being saved according to this theology
1: according to most versions if you're it depends on your ethnicity more. If you're just a Muslim, then yeah, you got problems. But let's say you're, uh, especially let's say you're a Black Muslim of any type, whether you're Orthodox or Nation, they would be interested
2: in you. So they'll it'll be set free now because Islam kind of like force itself on you.
1: Yeah, if because they would say Islam is not the Black man's natural religion. Uh, Right. right. In fact, they don't view this as a religion or a movement or anything like that. They view it as your ethnic identity that you get woken up to. So reclaim your true heritage is the message of this. Realize you're an Israelite. The Bible is a black man's book written about you. Reclaim your true heritage. Become uh, knowledgeable or awaken to the truth. That's the way they make the appeal about it.
2: So I'm more interested on the ones who believe in the New Testament. How can they even justify half of what you just mentioned?
1: Well, there's a key interpretive method that they use which is pretty shameful if you ask me. I'm and, asking you. and Yeah, yeah, you are. And it has to do with what they do with the word Gentile. All right? So let me show you what I mean. Uh, watch this. Da, 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 da. Right about, let's go. Give us okay.
2: reference so the people can follow.
1: Romans chapter 9, looking at verse 24, says... Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people I will call my people, and her who was not beloved I will call beloved. In the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. So that's something that you would think would be a problem for them because you would say, well, it looks like it's saying, that there's people who would be prepared beforehand, before glory, according to verse 23, and they're not only Jews, but they're also Gentiles. So that seems like that would do damage to their thesis, because they're saying salvation is for Israelites only, right? They say, yeah, you don't understand. Words are dependent upon context, don't you agree? And you would, of course, say yes to that question. And they'll say, well, what's the original context of Hosea? And you'll say, well, it's about Israel— There. They'll say, yeah, so that shows you when it says Gentile in verse 24, you shouldn't interpret it as Gentile in the way you're thinking. Here's how you should interpret it as Hellenized Jews. So, whenever they see the word Gentile in the Bible in a place that makes it seem like salvation is for Jew and Gentile alike, which it clearly is, Galatians 3 28, for example, they say, yeah, that word Gentile is the way the Bible refers to ethnic Israelites who are scattered abroad and therefore have a Gentile state of mind.
2: So when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, are you telling me they believe that all nations is only intended to capture the Jews that Out are scattered? of the
1: nations, yes, exactly. Now you're starting to think like a Hebrew-Israelite. So
2: it's a limited atonement
1: uh, yeah. of some sort? Uh, yeah, so they, they would say, yeah, go to all the nations because we've been scattered abroad to all the nations. So you need to get them out of all the nations. They'll say, oh, I'll prove it. Doesn't earlier in the book of Matthew he say, I wasn't sent to the others, but only to the lost uh, sheep of the house of Israel. Yeah. and So they interpreted it that way.
2: What about the 144,000 Jews in Revelation?
1: They would say that shows you that you have to have all 12 tribes literally present. In order to do this, because uh, you guys are telling us the North has mainly been wiped out. Well, you've got to have a literal 144,000, a certain number from each tribe, and so the northern tribes are also being gathered. The northern tribes are uh, include in their mind uh, Native Americans and Hispanics, and actually, under some reckonings, uh, uh, Pacific Islanders, and under some reckonings, Sicilians, certain types of Southern Italians. Well, In the northern tribes.
2: I'm just hoping the people who are listening to us have their practice already, uh, so uh, we're not really uh, turn their stomach upside down. Tell me about the canon. You know, number of books, for instance. Uh, how do they view um, Jesus's view on a tripartite, basically, of the old canon, Old Testament canon, and things like that?
1: Well, they're okay with that, but they think you've got to have the apocrypha, and uh, they would say, "Look, Jesus celebrated." Um, a certain festival—I forget what it is off the top of my head. I think it might be Purim. I'm forgetting right now top of my head. I think it's Purim. And Purim is not uh, laid out in the Old Testament as a festival we're supposed to keep. That's from the Apocrypha. So therefore, Jesus held to the Apocrypha. I think the argument goes something like that.
2: So Jesus never quoted from the Apocrypha writing. So what does that mean to them?
1: Well, they'll point to maybe allusions um, or parallels in the New Testament, such as in Jude or something like that, where there's Apocrypha overlays, something like that. But that's not their main thing. They like the Apocrypha, <coughs> honestly, because during that time, Israel was a little more xenophobic, a little more about Israel only. And so there's scriptures in there that are sort of anti-Gentile in a way that scripture wouldn't have because it displays certain attitudes that they like. They also like the story of rebellion against uh They believe Romans are also Edomites against pagan oppressors, and they think that's what they're doing part of.
2: So you had, of course, part of your research is you're interviewing some of them. Um, I think you have a clip for us here from one of those interviews. and Tell us a little bit about the person you're interviewing. Well,
1: I'm actually talking to an ex Hebrew-Israelite in this clip.
2: Oh, so he is doomed like the rest of us, basically.
1: Oh, yeah, he's doomed worse than ever. So if Jeremy can turn this up a little bit, uh, because my computer's a little bit quiet, and I'm going to play a clip where I ask him, what have you learned since you've come out of this, and where are you now in your journey, Brother Marcus? And his answer, I think, is a really good answer. Uh, I do not hear it. Are you playing it, Brother Jeremy? I got it all the way turned up. Is he hearing us? I'm going to have to pause it to uh, make sure he's he's got it. I'm playing it, but uh, I'm not hearing it in my headphones.
2: And I'm plugged so, in. So I'm talking to Control Room. We, we want to hear a video that he's playing right now. Total heresy. And, um, you know, that's that's really the joy that I get. I feel relieved that I'm out of that cult. Um, I mean, you know, I've gained blessings out of it, too. You know, out of all the ridicule and hate that I've been getting, you know, I've, I've gained blessings out of it, too. You know, I have... A woman that you know i've been in love with for five years you know what i'm saying so you want to give us some context also
1: yeah i asked him you know what have you learned since then and what are some of the blessings you've received since you've come out of this and uh those are some of the answers he gave and and he 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 said that uh he's glad to no longer be a bigot so he he just i said do you sure you want to call your old friends that he said yeah they're bigots Hmm. Um, So that was some of the view he had. And when we were doing this interview, we had a side chat open there on YouTube, and the comments that people, the Hebrew Israelites, were saying about him were crazy.
2: Now tell me about that. I mean, why do they use vulgar language?
1: Well, does anyone have a King James Version Bible on them? Uh, Because I've got here the ESV, but remember, they only use the KJV. So let me try to get a KJV, and let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Um, and um, while you're turning there, I'll read it in the ESV just because I've got it up, I'm trying to still bring up this KJV, and uh, it's a misinterpretation of Scripture that they use to justify it. Um, While I'm getting it, let me tell you something else they'll say. They'll say, well, you guys just aren't used to a strong black man speaking like a strong black man. Sometimes they'll, they'll say something like that. They'll say, so you're trying to get me to tone it down, but we're tired of uh, Edomite controlling our speech. And then they'll turn to Second Corinthians 11.6, and it says this, But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Did you hear that? Yep. Though I be rude in speech. So they're saying, hey, Paul was rude, so we can be too.
2: So it's like a pick and choose about Paul, right?
1: Well, of course, the translation, that's why they like the KJV, because uh, that has to do with more along the lines of rudimentary, not rude as in you're being a jerk. And that's why, uh, for example, in the ESV, it helps us in modern English understand even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way, we have made this plain to you in all things. So, so that's what he said.
2: Rude in the King James uh, in the 1600s meant rudimentary, elementary, kind of a yes. unskilled person, yeah. still not learned, you know. Basic. But uh, unfortunately, of course, is taken completely <laughs> out of its context, you know, and reinterpreted. Mm-hmm. That's a classic example, of course, of. Uh, uh, how we ought to really be uh, aware of the Word of God. So tell me now about some of the things that we can learn from you to respond to issues like racism, for instance, and minimizing the person of Christ, and the denial of the Trinity, salvation, so on and so forth.
1: Well, let me say this— um... We've talked about their basic theology. We've given some answers. A lot of it is just introduction because sometimes you have to do so much explanation because people have never heard of this, so it's very introductory every time it's the first time you speak on it because people don't really even know the issues. But let me say this, it's sort of a different tracker approach. I would say some of the issues that Hebrew Israelites bring up, Al-Fadi, are legitimate complaints. So they'll speak about some of the corruption or silliness or lack of seriousness in sometimes evangelical churches. And uh, they might play a bunch of prosperity gospel preachers or teachers, and they might show how there's not a proper view of women and men and sexuality and, and all kinds of things. And they'll show clips of this and say, look, or they'll show the capitulation to maybe the mainline people that will call themselves Christian to, uh, you know, theological liberalism. and Let's say these are your Christians. So they have some legitimate complaints when they're like, hey, why do you want us to be part of this Christianity? They'll sometimes do that. And we have actually should agree with them and say, yes, but you've got the wrong solution. That's one thing. Another thing is I think there's legitimate grievances— That we should talk about in the area of injustice, especially systematically, but at least historically here in the United States of America and other places that sometimes haven't been properly addressed or dealt with. And uh, maybe Christians of different types and stripes don't always have biblical views on, you know, and I think that that needs to be recognized and 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 not ignored or minimized or downplayed and so sometimes that leads to some of the anger that you see and some of it is justified honestly so this is my perspective i'm i'm just saying that so i don't view them as being wrong about everything and all that it's just they ended up with the wrong solution to some of these issues that's some of the problem. So I think recognizing some of that is important for the, us to do, to try to play, be proactive on the front end. Now, if you recognize this to a Hebrew Israelite and say, you're right about this, you're right about that, don't expect them to be charitable back, usually. Some of them will be, but especially in a group setting, it's very difficult for them to be charitable. There's a very, there's this thing about saving face, very much so in these in these groups. Uh, very much about machismo and Winning and victory and beating and defeating and all that type of stuff. But maybe on the one-on-one you might have more success. Some very much similarities to dealing with a lot of Muslim men, honestly. That's very true. That's
2: what I'm thinking about right now. Yeah,
1: seriously. So so there is a way to reach them. So if you're out on Camelback 19th Avenue on a Saturday... They're out there almost every Saturday. Now, it's one of the more radical groups, so you've got to be ready not to trade insult for insult like the Apostle Peter told us. You've got to be ready to practice the fruit of the Spirit, because by and large, uh, the, at least the group on Campbell back and 19th is not one of the nicer ones. So you just be prepared for that, but just stick to the gospel. Don't focus on the color of Jesus. Don't say it doesn't matter, but just say, you're right, he wasn't white and just kind of move on, because they'll want to get stuck on white Jesus. We don't believe in a white Jesus, and it's not important, but we don't want to minimize what they're saying, so we just say he's been inaccurately portrayed, blah, blah, blah. Stick to the gospel. How is one made right with God? How is one made right? Just go through the book of Galatians, because that's really the meat of this issue. That's the important thing. That's the big thing. And I want Christians to focus on it and look for opportunities, because here's what's going to happen. This thing is growing. You're going to see a video— you're going to hear a Christian probably spouting elements of it. You're going to meet someone at your job or work. All this will happen, especially if you live in cities. But with the Internet, it's getting spread all over. So eh, you will probably hear some elements of this stuff, and I just want people to start to be prepared and to take it serious because sometimes the stuff they say is really outlandish. So sometimes people don't take it serious. But when it's growing, we've got to deal with it. Like what if we would have taken, as a church, Mormonism more serious back way back in the day in New York? Maybe it wouldn't be so big now. Same thing with this.
2: Well, brother, uh, this is really an interesting topic. I hope we can continue our discussions about this. Uh certainly will work out something, you and I. But uh, I hope that those who are listening to us um, can be uh, awakened by the fact that there is so much going on around us oh, yeah. and so many attacks against uh, the truth. That if you're not really on top of your game, you could be basically swept away by those kind of movements, Mm -hmm. theological movements, if you wish. Uh, Call it Islam, call it Mormonism, call it Jehovah's Witness, call it Hebrew Israelites. You know, if you're not ready, and I, I like what you mentioned about stick to the gospel, if you're not ready to stick to the gospel and defend the gospel, it really, you have no chance to stand against anybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, you could be really uh, uh, dragged into those kind of discussions if you want to fall into these lies and begin to argue these lies versus just stick to your guns. And the only gun we have is the Word of God. That's the sword that is uh, uh, sharp. And uh, that's the only sword that can save. Brother, thank you so much for um, being with us. And uh, I pray that we can uh, work out uh, something uh, to continue this fascinating discussions. And those of you who are listening to us, I appreciate you. Uh, may you have a blessed week. And you can always go and listen to us at SiraInternational.com to Let Us Reason. And you can get all the archive shows in there. Until we meet again, have a blessed week.